Father, we thank you again uh, today uh, for this time that you have allowed us to set aside to come to hear your word. Uh, Lord God, again, it is our prayer that we would not leave this place the same way we came into it, but yet we would be transformed in our minds and in our hearts uh, that we want to be conformed to your image, Lord God, not the image of the world. So, Father, through your word, Lord God, you do uh, the work that needs to be done in us. May your spirit come alive within us, Lord. May we be receptive uh, to every morsel that you have in store for us today. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are plenty of issues uh, for us to watch on the news or uh, to be concerned about uh, to the point of oversaturation and worry. Uh, there's so much stuff that's going on. And I, I know that the uh, digital world was supposed to make life easier, uh, but I think to some degree it makes it a little bit more concerning. And it makes it more concerning because now, as before, we may have had one or two sources for our news. Now, our news comes from all over the world. And not just coming from all over the world, uh, but also that we have it from different micro places as well. Something happened in, in the smallest of villages, we hear about it quickly. Whereas before, it would take months for the news to travel across the seas if not longer. But today, as soon as things happen, you know, uh, we hear about it. For instance, uh, what about the current Ebola crisis that's happening in Africa? Where there's thousands of people who have already died. So it, it, uh, the news uh, continues to saturate our minds and our hearts to the degree that we worry, as we think things are okay, we become uh, oftentimes overly concerned. And again, this is especially true when you factor in elements like social media, not just the news itself, but social media, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending upon how you understand it and how you absorb that vast amount of information. When 1 Thessalonians, Paul addresses areas such as sanctification, you know, what does it mean to be holy before God? He addresses sexual immorality, lust. Paul even addresses the importance of working hard. Did you know that? 1 Thessalonians, Paul talks about how important it is to work hard. And that is, as that is a testimony of Jesus Christ to the world. But again, there's so many things to pay attention to that we often become overwhelmed by the prospects of dealing with anything so oftentimes we just let life ride. 
We just let it ride, and, and we say, I'm just going to deal with it as I'm faced with it. I'm not going to worry about anything else. So here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul now addresses the issues that uh, the believers during that time that uh, they had faced with the current climate of darkness looming over their head. In fact, it's very similar to us to a degree. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. We are to be fully aware of what's happening during these times. So, 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 so during the time we live in today, we need to be fully aware. Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you. In other words, he says, you really, you don't need for me to write to you about what's going on because you already know what's going on. Verse 2. Then he says, for, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So now, Paul, he's talking about uh, the times and the seasons. And then he says, because you don't need for me to tell you about what's going on, because you already know that the day of the Lord, that when it comes, is going to come like a thief in the night. Verse 3. While people are saying, oh, there's peace. Remember the time of, of peace and unity? Sometime in the, the late 70s or so, everybody running around with peace signs on their shirts. Remember that? A peace, peace sign we used to throw up, or, or I'm sorry, they used to throw up uh, during those times. Because they wanted peace uh, from war. And they said, we need to have love and not hate. Remember those times? It's so fascinating because uh, I've seen some of the same uh, language even today. Peace, love, not hate. Verse 3 says, while people are saying, while they are saying peace and security, Paul says, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So back in verse 1, what are these times and seasons that, that, that Paul mentions? Right? Verse 1, not concerning the times and seasons. I think that we need to take Scripture to help us to understand what's being said in Scripture. Can you say amen? Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 beginning in verse 3, Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 3. Now, if you are new to my preaching, if you're new to hearing me, I want to encourage you to open up the Word of God. Why? Because what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if I quote the wrong scripture? I've done that before. You need to know for yourself 
what God says and not just what the preacher said. Amen? So here in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 3, says, as he, he is Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the, disciple, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You see, so uh, the uh, Christians during the time of Paul here in Thessalonica, uh, that they were also saying that there's something funny going on with the world. Something strange that's happening out here. But the disciples here, in Matthew 24, they're saying that Jesus is saying that he's coming again, but they want to know what are the signs. You know, can we know when you're coming? Verse 4 here in Matthew 24. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Jesus is saying to disciples, look, don't be surprised. When you hear about the wars breaking out in Afghanistan, don't be surprised. Jesus says that when you hear about uh, the, the possibility of war, civil war in Venezuela, Jesus says, don't be surprised. When you hear about uh, the ruler in North Korea uh, now wanting to lob more missiles uh, to, to, to test individuals, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when a nation like Russia goes and take part of someone else's land and dare them to come and to fight against them. Jesus says, don't be surprised. He says, for this must take place. But even with all that going on, he says, what? But the end is not yet. Verse 7. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Now, uh, if you didn't know any better, you would almost say that's just like the time we're living in right now today. If we didn't know any better. In fact, we did talk about this in Bible study, but only as it led us to Matthew 24, 13. 
But we must be clear in our heads about the nature and the future of this world and not think that life is simply always going to get easier. Because the bottom line is Jesus tells us uh, that uh, yeah, there, there may be a certain calm, but that calm that we may experience will be before a great storm that may be down the line. Now, uh, some believe that when Jesus was speaking here in Matthew 24, that he uh, was speaking solely to Israel, right? All right, there's different ways of interpreting uh, these types of passages. It could be, some say, talking about all believers. Some say it could only be talking about the church. Uh, some say it's only talking about Israel. Well, that's uh, not my focus today, uh, maybe sometime later. But it is a credible idea that possibly he could have only been talking to or about the Jews. But nevertheless, that one thing that we know, the signs are ever-present. As we hear about people time and time again who claim to be the Messiah. People who claim to be all that, but at the end of the day, all they do is lead people astray. See, this is why it's important that when someone breaks out the Word of God, that you open the Word of God, that you see it, uh, that you see it for yourself. I remember the uh, first couple of times that I was, uh, this was before I was a pastor, and I knew that I needed to open the Word of God, and there was, a, and there was this uh, giant of a preacher preaching, right? And I was uh, sitting near this preacher, and, and, and he was saying, you don't need to open up your Bibles, just trust me. And inside of me, some said, no, open up your Bible. And would you believe I had a hesitation to open up my Bible? You see, when people lead us astray, oftentimes they begin to play fast and loose with the Word of God, you see? So therefore it is important, it's imperative, it's critical that we open up God's word that we may not be of those who will be led astray. Amen? You will not offend me. And if someone is offended because you open up the word of God, trust me, that's one person you don't want to sin under. Amen? But consider those people that have led thousands of educated, uneducated, Christian and non-Christian people to their deaths because they had the Messiah complex. Just recently, we heard of a man who supposedly was a believer and he attacked a Jewish synagogue in the name of Jesus. Whereas some of these individuals are in the distant past, it's just a matter of time before the next one crops up and shows his ugly head, his deranged uh, theology, uh, uh, the, the darkness from which he dwells. It's just a matter of time. So now we hear uh, in our passage how nation rises against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Again, consider the Middle East today and the potential of wars everywhere. I remember uh, 
there was mention of uh, during the first war, world war that they say that this would be the mother of all wars. This would be the war that would end all wars. And then what happened? World War II. And then people begin to say, this will be the war that ends all wars. But they keep coming, don't they? One after another. And then Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 24, 12, he says that the love of many will grow cold. The reason that the love of many, the reason that we will have this coldness towards one another, he says, is because of lawlessness. What does lawlessness mean? It means against the law, in essence. The opposite of things that are ordered by God. I saw this program where uh, one of the kids, uh, the, the, the mom was trying to correct uh, her, her boys. And the youngest boy, he must have been I forget whatever age, maybe nine or ten years old, he began to curse his mother out. This was just a television show. This was not a documentary or anything like that. But the issue is that when you, when you have things like that, I have seen in real life these things happen. I've seen them happen in real life where the child curses out the parent. How is it that a child can make it to the point that they are so bold as to disrespect their parents? May God have mercy on their souls. That is lawlessness in action. You know, I, I, I know that today there are political factions in our country that they use the phrases law and order. But those factions, they use the term law and order in order to elicit fear in the hearts of their constituency. I find it fascinating that uh, when uh, those same individuals speak of law and order, that they are the first ones to violate law and order and then redefine law and order to exclude their own actions. See? But the results, and I'm not, I need for you to know, that is not my hobby horse. It's not my thing. My thing is God and Jesus Christ. You need to know that. But let the facts speak for themselves. But the result of this hypocrisy from those individuals is a heightened mistrust of all believers. You see, if you have believers who are telling you to do this because it is moral and it is right, and then they turn around and do something different, and then what happens is those who are unbelievers look at the believers and say, we can't trust them. Even with the invent of the digital world, the truth of God's word, it should penetrate the jungles of despair and the quagmire of darkness. 
But when the gospel is compromised because of hypocrisy, the gospel itself becomes less effective. The result is non-Christians, unbelievers, not wanting to hear one thing they say about your Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing about that Jesus. Basically because of the way that you live or someone else lives. Now let's return to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Verses 2 and 3. For you yourselves, Paul says, are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What does that mean? That it will come suddenly. So look, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, that if you find yourself uh, in a place where you are disobedient to God, if you find yourself that you are in a place where you are disobedient to parents, or if you uh, find yourself where you're not looking good for Jesus Christ, do you not realize that Jesus can come at any time and call you into account? These are the signs they point to our anticipation of Christ's soon return. He is closer than we realize. He is closer than when uh, he was first written about by the Apostle Paul. Verse 2 tells us that we are to be fully aware that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the light. But are you aware as a believer? In other words, Paul wants to know, are you woke? Are you woke? Being fully aware of being fully woke, it means to know with accuracy and exactness about the correlation between the climate of immorality, mistrust, wars, ill treatment, and the lack of love with the coming of Jesus Christ. If you are not woke yet. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, you drove here. Yeah, you walked in. Uh, but if you are not fully woke, consider this your wake-up call. It is fascinating that after all of this goes on, there will be a sense, a false sense of peace and security. Remember the phrase uh, they used to say, you can't tell a book by its cover. Remember that? You can look at the book. Oh, yeah, that's a good book because it has a really good picture on it. Well, you don't know if it's a good book until you start reading, until you actually open it up. So Jesus says that when people are saying there's peace and there's security and everything is going to be all right, you, you, you better say to yourself, watch out, because it just might be the calm before the storm. at that very moment, there can be sudden destruction. But how can you prepare for it? Trust me, no one wants to go through this. I don't want to go through total destruction. I don't know about you. Maybe you, you're one of those people that like that level of adventure. But I'm here to tell you that's not me. But if I had my choice, I don't want to see this whole thing burn down right before my eyes. Paul says, to remain wake, to remain woke, 
and remain sober-minded during these times. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 4. But you are not in darkness, he says, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. Now, I need for you to get this, right? Go back up to verse 2. It says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come. Now, in verse 5, he says, for you are all children of light, children of the day. Which day is this? Children of Jesus Christ, the children to know that the day is coming as something to be excited for. He says, verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. At least most people that we know, right? There's others who get drunk in the day. But there is a, a very clear truth there. There's no question about it. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, since we belong to the day, since we belong to the day, he says, since we belong to the day, since we belong to Jesus, let us be sober, right? In other words, uh, don't utilize any foreign substance, be it liquid, be it dry, uh, be it edible, whatever the case may be, or be it a type of thinking that has a tendency to make us drunk in our spirit. This is what happened to those who follow these folks who call themselves the Christ. They have become drunk in the spirit. No, not in terms of what uh, the, uh, the scripture says, but in terms of inebriation. But they can't discern the difference because their minds have been uh, infiltrated by a thought, by a phrase, by a word that goes counter to Jesus Christ. Verse 8, but since we belong to today, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, uh, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So we as believers, we don't live in darkness, do we? Do you live in darkness? Uh, let's ask that question again because obviously there might be some in here who do live in darkness. Do you live in darkness? Okay, if you live in darkness, then you need to know Jesus Christ. Right? But we live in the light of Christ. This means that we have repented from our sins. We have confessed our sinfulness before Jesus Christ because he is the one that is our redeemer and our salvation. So if you are in Christ, these things are not going to surprise you. Now, I'm not going to say that uh, they're not going to be un, un, unsurprisingly shocking. Right? Uh, they may shock you. Uh, you may walk out of here and, and the street just opens up all over the city. Yeah, it may shock you, but inside, your spirit should, should automatically ask, Jesus, are you coming right now? Amen? Why? And we can, we can ask that question because we are on the lookout. Amen? Because we are truly woke. 
If you're on a football or basketball team, one of the things that you should do, you should study your opponents. Amen? You should study so as to not be surprised by certain moves that they may make. You may notice that one player may all, all of a sudden make a fast break to the left, a fast break to the right, whatever it may be. And then when you encounter him, you're ready for him. Uh, you, you may not break as fast as them, but you're ready for them and you're not surprised. If you didn't know they ran as fast as they did, if you studied them, then you are aware. If you are a believer, Jesus says, look at my word. I'm telling you exactly what's going to happen. Why would you say I'm surprised? But as a believer living in a time and in a season of darkness, you don't need to be surprised because you know that Jesus has your back. We are therefore to remain woke and sober-minded. As we walk through this life, we must do so with the full armor of God on our spiritual selves, verse 8. But since, he says, we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now you may recall back in Ephesians chapter 6, the full armor of God. And you may have thought to yourself back in Ephesians chapter 6, this is the full armor of God that I must put on. But wait a minute, uh, the full armor of God does not include uh, the, these aspects, all of these aspects here. So that know that uh, the fullness of the armor of God that is uh, more inclusive even of the things that Paul mentions there in Ephesians chapter 6. As a matter of fact, uh, the armor of God also includes the cloak of zeal. What? A cloak? So we also have a cloak as well? Absolutely. In other words, what, when we take all this together, that means that when we're trusting in God, when we're following him, that God will protect us. Amen? That we will be able to stand strong through thick and thin. Amen? That's what it's saying. Uh, don't get uh, caught up in, in, in the this, so I'm going to put on my cloak, I'm going to put on my breastplate of this or that, uh, or my belt of truth. You just rely upon God, and God will protect you. He will keep you. He will make you strong. God will keep our feet from slipping. But people are right there in our face, and people are right there in our business. Right? We put on all this armor, uh, but then we got folks. And, you know, and we, uh, we try not to let people make us mad. Right? And then when we become angry, we just want to shut it down instead of trying to engage. And most of the time, that is not love in action. Most of the time, that is the flesh in action. At the end of the day, as we live through this life, the times and the seasons are changing right before us. We need Jesus, amen? Right? But Jesus is always the answer, isn't he? We need Jesus. But guess what? As we see that day approaching, we also need people. 
Yeah, you know, we know that Jesus is the ultimate answer, but are you aware that we need each other? You're not going to be able to do anything of value in this world without other people. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter how much you may resent them and try to keep them away from you today, guess what? You need brothers and sisters in Christ. Guess what? People need people. Amen? I dare you. I probably shouldn't say that. But I dare you to try to live this life without another person. Eventually, it may be very difficult. I know there, there, there were uh, people that had gone out in deserts. They had lived many, many years out in the desert uh, called the monastics. But I also know that many of them, they eventually left the desert and they came back with other people. I also know that as well. So, why do we need people? Right? This is by design by God. Right? So all we have to do is quickly think back uh, in the beginning, how God created heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created Adam, right? And in the beginning, uh, that God did not leave Adam alone because he said it is not good that Adam should what? Be alone. Uh, not that uh, Adam, Adam was not lonely. Adam was by himself. God says that Adam needed a woman. Amen. What did I say? Adam needed what? He needed a woman to help him. Uh, as they would together be co-regents on this earth. Together. Yeah, one would take the lead, right? But they're still co-regents. Even as they're made in an image of God, they themselves are taking order from the Lord. But in church, it's sometimes... I feel like it feels in other places that we're familiar with that everybody is our adversary. Someone once said, in order to have a friend, you must first be friendly. How friendly are you in the body of Christ? Or do you only speak to certain people? I'm not speaking in the day. I'm just coming in. I'm going to mind my own business. Did you know that your own business is the church business? Oh, no. I'm not, I, I, I'm not speaking to nobody. I'm just going to come in, and I'm going to sit down, and then when it's over with, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get in my car, and I'm gone. Did you, do you not know that your business is the church business? How do you think we become encouraged in the body of Christ. I, I, I get encouraged when I hear the word of God. That's good. But remember, God did not create us to be alone. So if you are part of the body of Christ, we now have a new blood. Amen. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 48. And they were saying, Jesus, your mama looking for you. Whoever was looking for him. And it says, but he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? You see that? Who are my brothers? 
And stretching out his hand towards his disciple, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my brother, and sister, and mother. Look around you, folks. Literally, I know you're staring at me. I'm your brother, amen. Hopefully I am. But I want you to look around. Everybody look around. Come on, I want you to look around, y'all. Come on, look around. Stretch your neck. Some of you need to exercise your necks a little bit more. Look around. Who you see, you see your brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, they are not your brother and sister. That's just a fact. But if they are in Christ, then that is your brother, that is your sister. But face it, some of you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ as though they were your enemies. They are not your enemies. Because if you have a brother and sister that don't know the Lord, guess what? You're not going to see them in heaven. You're going to see that person sitting next to you in the pew. And at the end of the day, our relationships, they must be worked out. And we will all be the better for it. But this is all about encouragement now. How can you encourage someone who's struggling? Here, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So for the Thessalonians, uh, they were already doing it, but he, but he is reminding them, said, you need to encourage your brothers and sisters in the faith. <laughs> or do you expect for the pastor and his wife to encourage everybody? Amen? I know many of you encourage. I know that. I know you do. But we must ask ourselves the question, how can we lift up people you sense need lifting up in the body of Christ? And I know there is some that uh, they, they kind of like stand offish. But ask God for discernment on what to say. Or maybe you can just say something as simple. You know what? I'm praying for you. I remember one time... Um, I was uh, meeting with another pastor. You know, we just, uh, we just had a meeting and we're just uh, encouraging each other. And, you know, he started encouraging me. And do you know I almost started crying? Do you realize that? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? What are these things uh, about to come out my eye? What is this? Someone pouring water on my eyes? Do you not realize that sometimes you have to be encouraged? And you need to be encouraged by the people in the body of Christ, not just anybody. Because sometimes it just gets hard. And the reason it's getting harder and harder for believers is solely because of the times and the seasons. You live long enough, you better know this. If you're a Christian, they're coming after you. Oh, yeah, they're coming after you. You live long enough. I just read an article this past week. And they're, they're, they're saying that even though the number of people who are dying, Christians who are dying because of persecution, is decreasing, the fact that there are more levels of persecution happening more and more all over the earth. 
for believing. Huh. Last time you heard that, that we see less and less of them dying, but more and more of us are being persecuted. You see, when you are, when we are in a battle, and you have people on your side, one of the things that you got to do, you got to do what? You got to pull your forces together. Look, we got to come together. We can't be pushing each other off. Yeah, I know also that we have faults. Amen? Hey, I, I, I'm the king of faults. I admit to you, I'm the king of faults. I'm not perfect. So if this is true, then there are times that we have to look past that faultiness. There are times we have to be more like Christ, more mature in the faith, and we have to encourage our brother and sister in the faith. Amen? Now, I know some of you are natural encouragers than others, and some of us have to work at it. Amen? Nevertheless, I want to encourage you today, right? I want to encourage you today. That before you leave out of this place today, you're going to encourage three people. Three people. One person that you know really well, or you think you know really well. And then two other people you never have a chance to really talk with. One person that you think that you know really well, if you don't know anybody well, then just go encourage three people. You may not know what they're going through, and that's okay too. But just like everybody, you know, life gets tough. And as we await the arrival of Jesus Christ, it's going to get tougher. And this is the place that we come to get built up in the Lord. We come here to get stronger in the Lord. So I want to encourage you first to let you know that you have words of encouragement for someone else. So it may be hard for you because you might be going through, but I want you to know that God has encouraging words. He wants to use you to lift up, to build up someone else in the body of Christ. Again, face it, it's going to keep getting tough. But we as believers, we must come together strong in the faith, speaking the truth in love because God has called us to such a ministry and he will keep us accountable. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for these words today. We want to thank you for your loving kindness.